couple of quick plugs before we start today's show. If you want to follow us on Twitter, our handle is at Narbos Podcast. If you want to email us, our email address is narbosandbroomheads at gmail.com. Hit us up with your comments on future episodes of Degrassi Junior High and Degrassi High. And if you want to be on a future episode, let us know as well and we'll try to set something up. You can also uh, follow our show on all of the podcast platforms, including iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and uh, Spotify. So please give us a follow and subscribe on any of those sites, and uh, you will be able to get us pushed to you every single week. The theme music for this show is brought to you by a band called Ew, You're a Girl and Girls Suck. They are a punk band from here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, and their Bandcamp page is iagags.bandcamp.com. That's E-Y-A-G-A-G-S dot bandcamp.com. They used to watch Degrassi episodes when they took breaks from recording back in the 90s. Uh, anyways, that's about it for the plugs. Let's get to this week's episode. Your boyfriend is dead. I did it. You wrecked my car? You're going to go down for that. Prove it was you. Sorry to uh, take away your fun, but I'm about to confess. That's what good people do when they realize they've done something wrong. That frat didn't let me in because of you and what you said. Hey, I'm not finished. I'm very finished with all of this, okay? But especially with you. It's over, Dean. I've got something to do. Something more important. Hello there to all our Narbos and Broomheads listeners. Uh, welcome to yet another episode of uh, everybody's favorite Degrassi podcast. Thanks for uh, thanks for sticking around. Hey, um, I uh, we are in season four of the Next Gen. Uh, I'm Courtney. I'm going to actually be hosting this one. Um, before we get too far into it, uh, I just want to introduce uh, everybody else who's here tonight. As we know, this is a part two of a rather intense uh, episode. Um, so we have uh, someone in Saskatchewan here. It's me. It's Arlo coming to you from Regina, Saskatchewan. And uh, hi, Courtney. How's it going tonight? Hey, Arlo. It's pretty hey. good. I'm super glad to have you here tonight. Um, I, I, thought you did, here. I thought you did a great job hosting uh, part one last week. Uh, thanks, Courtney. This is so nice. Get a room. <laughs> Get a room. Um, I also thought you did a great job of giving a little bit of a preface to the show because it is, it is a pretty intense show and I think it definitely deserves uh, a trigger warning. Well, and I will do that again um, before we get too far into it. 
just want to issue a quick trigger warning that we will be discussing issues related to sexual assault and rape. So if you are sensitive to this topic, please listen with discretion. If you or someone you know is struggling with a sexual assault crisis in Canada, you can visit endingviolencecanada.org and click on Getting Help to get a list of resources in your province that can help you. If you're in the U.S., you can call the Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network at 1-800-656-HOPE to get help. And uh, who else do we have today? Let's shoot it over to Toronto and see uh, what kind of shenanigans are going on over there. Hi, it's Alan again. Um, I'm here. I'm going to talk a little bit about things, but probably just do a lot of listening to, though I'm going to have opinions on this Craig and Ashley nonsense. So anyways, <laughs> hi, everybody. <laughs> and uh, we had a great guest last week, and she's here again this week in Toronto as well hi hello <clears throat> thank you for inviting me back hi um, I, sarah I'm, I'm sarah and uh, i'm i'm pleased to be here and to join you and again tell us a little bit about yourself oh. for those that didn't listen to part one uh so i am a psychotherapist and i work particularly in the area of sex and trauma and so uh, i'm pleased to be here to share any expertise that I have in that area and uh, I'm also Alan's girlfriend which gives me very little expertise but uh... except in his crusty elbows uh-huh I, I mean I would anyway, not have brought up Alan's elbows happy to have you here Sarah <laughs> thank, thank, thank you for being here it's it's lovely to be here except that Alan is not rubbing his elbow on me <laughs> <laughs> In a, in a sorry, form of affection that, that cl no clearly my fault. I'm very sorry. I actually rub her cheek gently with my elbow. That's like my <laughs> my love move. No, no, no. <laughs> Your consent, love language. Yeah. <laughs> consent is really is important. <laughs> and, uh... Holy God. Uh <laughs> In any case, yes, I echo Arlo's sentiments. We are actually super glad that Sarah has uh, agreed to join us once again. Um, and as we've sort of alluded to, this is a part two uh, of the first episode of season four of The Next Gen. Um, we are going to start off from where we left off last week. Uh just a little reminder about uh, all the information you are dying to hear. Uh, this episode, two-parter, aired uh, September 7th in Canada, 2004. And in the U.S., just a little bit later in October, October 1st, 2004. Uh, we have James Hurst and Shelley Scarrow as the writers. Arlo told us that they're married. Super great. And we have Philip Earnshaw as the director. So same um, as part one, basically. Same as part one. I won't go into the song that this uh, episode is named after. We discussed all of that last week. If you no want to hear it. It's no song. It's an album. Ghost in the Machine. It's an album. Yeah, by the police. Uh, um, and and also a, a philosophy. <laughs> Yeah, a philosophy. There's also that. Just go back. Maybe I'll paste it into this episode. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, just go back and listen to part one if you're interested. <laughs> diddly, there we go. Diddly, diddly. <laughs> 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 anyway. 
it, yeah, it was it was a history lesson. Let's let's leave it at that. Um, so, quick recap: we left off last week. Um, Paige's jerk rapist was found not guilty in court. Um, so we start off this episode, we see Marco, and he's shown up at Paige's house, uh, in her room. Uh, Paige is still very obviously upset and defeated, uh, about Dean, uh, being found not guilty. Uh, Marco sees this and obviously tries to console her, referencing his own, um, bashing experience. And that's a throwback to, was it last season or the season before? Uh, where Marco is beat up. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Last season. Yeah. So he he's gay bashed by some strangers. Um, unfortunately, Paige just isn't in a space to take anything from that. She just asks him to leave, go downstairs. She'll be there soon. Uh, so we obviously see she's still very upset. Uh, we are taking to the credits. Jackalope. <laughs> Canadian music legends, Jackalope. Jackalope. They collaborated with Trent Reznor, so I don't know. Legends, you tell me. Mm-hmm. More than more than I've done. Tell us, Narvos and Broomheads at gmail.com. Let us know. What is your it's favorite Jackalope song Jack-a-lope. and why? Please tell us. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's like, whatever it takes. <laughs> it's my favorite. Uh, it just in general, too, to tell us what you guys think about the new, the new song. Uh, none of us are that impressed with it. Um, so we we start this episode after the credits uh, at a dorm party. So and as we know, speaking of uh, music, we're treated. To a band called Crud. <laughs> uh, yes, this is I mean, Crud, and the uh, the the song is Meat Detonation. Like meat, M E A T or M E E T. M E A T. Meat Detonation. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. By Crud. <laughs> By Crud. <laughs> Sounds great. In case I mean, you want to put it on your uh, playlist. Again, here we are, all adults, being like, Crud. What kind of band name is that? <laughs> Whatever happened to Fleetwood Mac and the Bee Gees? Okay, we're not 70. <laughs> Whatever happened to um, Insane Clown Posse <laughs> and Rainbow <laughs> Butt Monkeys? Hey, that well, we know what happened to Rainbow Butt Monkeys. They became... That's true. They became... Wait, what did they be? Oh, they became... Um, what's that band? Uh... Now I have to look it up. Canadian band. You... I wish tragically I knew. hip. It was not tragically <laughs> hip. That's right. This is canon now. <laughs> tragically hip. Once upon a time. Finger, finger 11. Finger 11. Finger 11. There you go. So many Canadian bands have numbers in their name. Like some 41. Uh, what was that one from last two weeks? Green or... Day 75. <laughs> <laughs> Tragically hip, 69. You know, for that video. Slow. 62. <laughs> All right. Neil. What's that guy's name Patrick again? Patrick Harris. 
<laughs> what? Yeah. Wow. Neil Young, 22. <laughs> All right, we're <laughs> just watching this train go way home. off the tracks. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Back to crud. Um, <laughs> we are at a dorm party, and as we all know from last episode, uh, Paige's older brother Dylan is now in university. Degrassi, you, du. And of course, what any big brother does is invite his little sister and all her friends to a fucking dorm party, uh-huh. like all of them too. Like, all, yeah. like I, I get bringing Marco, it's his boyfriend. I get, like, bring your sister and her boyfriend, but I, also Hazel and Jimmy. <laughs> Just like, oh, God. Yeah, like, I... I like, what? I mean, maybe he... Fucking loser, Dylan. Maybe he would do that, but everybody at that party is like, what the fuck, Dylan? Hey, guys, I brought all my high school friends <laughs> to a party. <laughs> I hope That's there's a lot of soda. <laughs> <laughs> And chips. <laughs> I got French onion dip here. Yeah. Lactose free, I hope. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. Anyway, so we are at a dorm party. Um, Paige is there, and she's clearly still really struggling with uh, the court case. She's struggling with her trauma from the sexual assault. She is not having a good time. Um. And I mean, again, so we were, sorry, we were asking in the last episode about Dylan's knowledge of, you know, did he know that all this happened? It's like, so not, and we talked about Dylan's at the same university as Dean and could they run into each other? So Dylan knows that she's just been to trial and that obviously what's happened has happened. And he's like, yeah, come to the party. Like, fuck it. I guess we, we also know that Paige tries to make believe that everything's okay. So... Maybe she's been hiding it really well, although in the first scene, it doesn't seem like she's hiding it very well. But, I mean, Dylan does live at the dorm now, so maybe he's just not seeing it, right? Again, much more is left to the imagination than should be, but that's <laughs> par, par for the course. That, that's the beauty uh, of Degrassi. We'll, just, you we'll just, just fill in what the writers forgot to tell us. Yeah, the, the writers are like, the viewers can interpret it however they want. It's cool. <laughs> Yeah, the viewers interpret it. How? Yeah, <laughs> it's not Marco's, um, Marco's dad writing the show. It is in my head. <laughs> That's how she's interpreted it. Exactly. Um, I mean, it is good for us. I guess. I guess it's good podcast fodder, letting us yes <laughs> assume so much. Um, exactly. So yes, Paige is not having fun, um, and she flinches. Uh, as Spinner comes up to her from behind to wrap his arms around her. And not only that, she runs off because she is so freaked out. Uh, as yeah, she that was not a good move. Like that's, I mean, being jumpy like that is a pretty normal trauma response. But just in general, that's, yeah, it, it, I. The trial's over now. Everything's going to be okay, right? Every, everything's fine now. That's what yep. she said, Paige. Everything's yep. fine now. <sighs> He's like, I printed out the transcript and brought it. (laughs) (laughs) Things are good. When do we fuck? (laughs) Oh, yeah. But yes, this this furthers the, you know, 
the storyline that Spinner doesn't understand and Paige can't communicate what she's feeling. So things are, are not good. So she runs away and as she flees, I think she sort of bumps into a chick or something. Rolls a chick against the wall, basically. Yeah. She throws her against the wall and mumbles something about wanting to fight. And the chick is clearly like, what the fuck? Uh, and then Hazel appears and tries to defuse the situation. <laughs> and uh, Paige carries on down the hallway. Uh, and we see Hazel uh, comforting the random woman. Who's crying. <laughs> Who's super upset and, and crying. I mean, presumably this girl is, like, drunk or whatever and just got thrown against a wall. So I'm like, okay. Yeah, I would be, yeah, yeah, that's a... I'm going to blame the alcohol on the, like, the crying on the alcohol, maybe. I don't think Paige, like, hit her that hard. <laughs> no. I don't think her tears were because of the pain. Yeah. <laughs> um. So Paige's anger uh, instantly turns into horniness or I don't know I can't suddenly uh, her energy her energy flips and she decides that she's going to sit between two random dudes uh, put her arms around both of them and flirt with them and start doing shots with them okay yeah so, so she's, act, she's acting out she's acting out and I think she's she's for some people, um, a response to sexual assault is to try to minimize it and say, well, no, I'm, that's a thing I do. Like, I'm, I'm a sexually active person. And so um, either to say, I'm totally fine, I could just do with whoever I want to now, there's nothing interrupting me when we've obviously seen that she is, um, has big interruptions um, and isn't able to be present to be intimate with someone. Um, so maybe she's trying to prove that or she's trying to, um, as sometimes victims will try to sort of undo the assault by, um, in their mind, by, by being sexually active and, and turning what was a non-consensual experience in their mind into, um, sure, no, I really wanted to do that um, because then I couldn't be raped if I, right. if I go back and change my mind. And a lot of, of kind of cognitive reframes that are... Uh, are are not particularly helpful, but ways that people try to manage with uh, with the aftermath of trauma and assault. And cognitive reframes. I don't think that's a term that a lot of people would understand. Oh, just, what, how trying, would you oh. cognitive? We reuse it all the time on this podcast. <laughs> I mean, I mean, cognitive reframe can be a, smart. a a helpful technique of of trying to look at something in a different way. So to to reframe it in your mind. Um, the, but in a, in a more negative, like this is something that, that she's, she may be doing in terms of, of identifying herself as someone who is promiscuous and therefore, um, I can't be assaulted if I, if I consent it, you know, if I say yes to everything. Um, yeah. and I don't, yeah. you know, we don't know exactly what's going on in, in Paige's mind, but that's certainly something that, that post, uh, assault can um, can be a response that people have. It, 100%. And she's shifting. I mean, she, her mood is, is fluctuating um, quite uh, quite rapidly and frequently in, uh, in this. We see her go from, um, you know, 
from in sort of shock to anger, um, and then she's flirtatious, and uh, and then she's about to be angry again. Yeah, to me, I see it as just she is desperately looking for any sort of relief from, um, like, the pain and the whatever she's trying to deal with. Yeah. So she is, you know, she's trying anger, she's trying everything, and this is just one of the ways she's trying to to deal with it. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think Marco um, kind of hit it on the head a little bit when he was talking to her too. Not that I'm a therapist or anything, but he was kind of talking about how after he got bashed, like he didn't want to be in his own skin anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So I think she's just kind of trying to like be something other than herself for a second. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, distraction is really useful. It can, um, is a way of not being present to the trauma and and it can can mean that someone can insulate themselves from having to be present to what's painful all the time uh, but it, it's not a long-term strategy no it offers some immediate relief and that's probably about it um so yeah we see we see Paige flirting with some boys putting her arms around them doing shots of alcohol um stuff we haven't I don't think seen Paige do on a regular basis before this um and as she's doing this we see Spinner and he's looking for her he's obviously worried she took off he doesn't know where she is he finds her with the boys flirting and drinking um and so he takes her into what I assume is Dylan's dorm room in the (laughs) In that space, she tries to seduce him. She tries to make out with him. And when he doesn't reciprocate, uh, she goes off on what I sort of described as just like a self-hatred-fueled rant. (laughs) And I don't mean that to be offensive. I know that's a pretty good way to describe it, I think. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not like, I don't mean it to be offensive. It's just... She doesn't know how else to cope right now. Um, So she goes on about how she's easy and everybody knows it. The judge, her mom, yada, yada, yada. So she says he might as well have sex with her. Um, Spinner isn't interested, doesn't reciprocate. And she asks, among other things, if it's because Dean got there first. Uh, So she's obviously still really tormented by everything. Spinner tells her she just has to let it go. Let it go. Let it go. <laughs> let, it go. <laughs> let it go. Uh-huh. That's in the extended version. <laughs> There's a big musical uh, so- number. <laughs> yeah. What's that? There's a big musical number and Yeah. Yeah, it's in the animated Disney version. Yeah. Um <laughs> Uh, Paige, and I said justifiably, calls him out for what I interpreted as just dismissing her in general. Um, I don't think Spinner was maliciously saying that. I just don't think he knew what else to say. He says he just wants his girlfriend back. And Paige, in other words, basically just says she doesn't exist anymore. Um, And then she flips again. I laughed at this. It's not super funny, but she says she doesn't want to see his idiotic face. 
ever again. She's all of us. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yes, she is. So we can clearly see, like, she's confused. She's upset. She tries one tactic. She's like, come on, have sex with me. And then she flips. She doesn't know what to do. And then finally she just kicks him out because she doesn't know how to well, deal with I her think, emotions. Like, Spinner is, like, trying to be a good guy. He's trying to be a supportive boyfriend. But, like, he doesn't have the, like, emotional capacity at this point to be to know what to do or how to deal with it. Well, I, And they're, what, yeah. six? He's 16? Yeah. Yeah. They're, I mean, yeah, these are adult problems. And they're kids trying to figure them out without a lot of... Um, sort of coaching and and it would be I mean Paige has got a therapist who's marginally helpful but I would you know like Spinner would also benefit from talking to to somebody about what it feels like for him to be and how he could support Paige through this and I think you know whether it's somebody sort of a professional but even you know a wise adult in his life because this is not something that he's been equipped for and and at least when she says, you know, let's have sex now, he's wise enough to know that that's not what she wants and not what would be helpful. Um, but mm-hmm. but he's he's fallen down. Like, she's she's in a state where she shouldn't be alone. Um, and, and she's insulting him, I understand. Like, you'd want to walk away from that. But, uh, but it's, it doesn't go well for, for them. Well, and I think it's pretty clear that Paige has had some sort of ups and downs since yeah. her assault yeah um like you know she's kind of saying like oh well Paige went upstairs at that party and she never came back down yeah um but like remember that I mean which is like a poignant moment but like she wasn't actually dating Spinner at that time they started dating after that fact and so things were good with them for quite some time um and she seems to be sort of like going downhill and maybe it's been a little bit up and down it's- um also, she went upstairs to get away from Spinner because she was she didn't want Spinner to know that she was at that party because she said she was with her sick grandmother. So yeah. the reason she left, and I don't know if that's sort of playing into any of her feelings, but the the reason she sort of urgently wanted to go inside was actually not to get alone with Dean. It was she wanted to continue the conversation because I think Hazel says, let's get out of here. And she doesn't want to do that. Um, but, but it's, it's so that Spinner doesn't find out. Well, and they didn't really start really getting together until the end of that season. So like an entire school year sort of later, they got together between the, like on, in the summer of season two to season three. That's when they started doing the whole like honeybee thing where they were all gross together. So like things were good you know, for a time and probably for Paige, it was a distraction too. Yeah. But uh, it kind of indicated to me that there's been maybe some, a little bit more of ups and downs rather than like everything was just good from the get go. And now she's, you know, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do. I do think they, they did a good job at portraying Spinner as, you know, he's never offensive or disrespectful, but he's also clearly not in a position to understand what she's going through. Like, I, I, I think they did a really good job at 
uh, you know, displaying how confused he is and how he doesn't know what to say. And and I think that's really representative of a 16 year old boy in that yeah. situation. Yeah. I right. Feel like, that. like he's obviously trying to be supportive, but he also has no idea what the fuck to do. Um, so yeah, I, I, I thought that was really well done. I wish, and, and I think I said this last week, but like, I wish they like, and I, I think this is a evergreen statement that they wove this storyline into some of the previous episodes. Like it would have been easy to just like, you know, have just like a, a flash of this, uh, you know, what Paige was dealing with throughout the past few episodes. So it was clear that this whole time it was bothering her and there was issues and stuff, but I don't think I, that they did that. There that. was something brewing under the surface that it wasn't fucking perfect. Yeah, like I would like, agree. Yeah. Like we go through all of season three and there's nothing. Like there's no hint. There's nothing. no nothing whatsoever. I Like after that episode where she last sees Dean in season two, it's just like, it's almost like it's over, and then they decide to write this episode and the last one in. And as far as I know, after these two episodes, again, it's just like we just kind of move on, and there's no consequence to this. I mean, again, I know it's not the same thing, but like later on in the season, Paige dates a teacher, and there's spoiler alert, yeah, and like there's nothing, not not nothing about that this ever happened. It doesn't even, yeah, it's not even like, it, it's, she got better therapy. Yeah. Like, wow. like, it's not even that they're like, well, one of the reasons that she did this is because of, you know, issues from the past or she doesn't raise it or no one else is concerned about it or there's nothing. It's just, it's like, it never happened after this. Yeah. And that just like that, I really, I would love to ask the writers, like, how, okay, you know, like, do you just not think ahead? Do you I'm, not I'm gonna get them plan on. the storylines? <laughs> I'm going to get them on to the show. <laughs> Our first question. Yeah. Are you not thinking? Let's bring them on. Yeah, and insult are them you, right away. Are you an idiot? <laughs> so my first what question, you... what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, and I know I, I, I've said this many times, but like the original Degrassi series, they were pretty good. At like threading the storylines along, even if it was just like a little bit here and there, like you saw some of it, there was continuity. For some reason, that it just—it's just not here. Like you, yeah, like you said, Alan. We go through almost an entire season where we do not see Paige see like affected by this at all, and then all of a sudden, she can't even be touched by her boyfriend. I just. Yeah, and I mean, like, a good example from the original Degrassi, for example, is a character like Liz, where it's like, before, you know, we, we have an episode that's about her being assaulted as a child, but, like, you can see before and after this happens that, like, you know, like, they don't necessarily refer to it, but everything kind of makes sense, like, in terms of how you see her behaving and reacting and, and and so on throughout the series and you're like this feels consistent it's not like all of a sudden she does something wildly inconsistent or we just forget about it um you know at some point in time and i do feel like in the original degrassi there was at least some awareness throughout the series because we certainly did not have these discussions nearly as much where we're like wait a second like what you know no 
like where we're trying to put the puzzle pieces together and figure out like yeah so it's it's unfortunate that and i'm super curious because i know there's a lot of like hardcore next gen fans out there um maybe hearing their I thoughts mean, at narbos and broomheads yeah i mean keep in mind next gen they're producing full television seasons like 22 episodes and i guess you know, like the original Degrassi, I think there's only 75 episodes ever, and every season's only 13 episodes. So perhaps it's easier to do it in one shot or to keep those things in mind. So, like, that that might be some of it. Um, you know, maybe it's not as big a writing team. I'm not sure. But there are certainly plot holes. Like, a ton of them. <laughs> a ton. Probably nothing you would uh, notice if you were just wa- watching it like a normal person. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, like you're binging it for a podcast and paying attention to uh, every little detail. Yeah, we're not normal. Nope. <laughs> well, and I mean, anyway, I, I, I mean, I'll make one more comment, which is that um, I, I've I've been I watch a show called Riverdale with Sarah's child and. They actually seem to be gleeful about the fact that the show makes no fucking sense. Like, so <laughs> that I might mean, be. Yes, that is part of the joy of Riverdale is that it's no set. I think you noted that on Netflix at my house, Riverdale has a two star rating, which is my child rating the show that they talk about constantly in love with two stars um, out of, well, I don't know how many they can get, five. And, and they don't defend it. They're not like, no. no, 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 you don't get it or so. And they're like, yeah, like, that's the beauty of the show is that it's fucking dumb. They have a Tumblr blog and it. they didn't even tell me about it. Yeah, I know. It's <laughs> okay. Riverdale is the one. Yes, R.I.P. We hardly knew you. Wait, he was in Riverdale? Yeah, he was Archie's dad. Archie's dad, if you want to feel super old. And who was he married to? Molly Ringwald. Yep. Yeah, <gasps> yeah, they, I mean, that's, they got you to watch it if you're the mom by doing that. They were smart. <laughs> I, I, I know that perhaps they just had to get actors of that age, but I was like, oh man, they're just trying to trick me into watching this because there's Molly Ringwald. <laughs> and uh, when Luke Perry died, they did handle that very well. I, I appreciated the way that they, um, that they portrayed grief, um, and also, though he really did die, so all those actors were probably pretty sad. No. Wait, he, they died. He died in the show. Well, yeah, because he, he died. In, in he real died life. in real life, so he had to die in the show. Well, I guess he could have like oh. moved away in the show, but yeah, Luke Perry died in real life. Okay, I know he died in real life. I sorry, I thought you meant like he had already died on the show. No, they wrote no. him out. They wrote him out. No, but they did have multiple opportunities for him to die earlier that they didn't take up on account of not knowing he was going to actually die for real. So it was a bit awkward that he got shot and you know this happened and then they had to make him die. Yeah, kind of like when they knew that Carrie, like they actually had scenes in Star Wars after Carrie Fisher died, where it's like, oh, you could just write her out there, and then they didn't, and it's like, but she's dead. And then they went and made a whole nother movie with her in like three quarters of it. It's like, what? Anyways, sorry, Degrassi podcast. She was already dead? Yes. Did she also have an eyebrow with like a razor cut in it, like (laughs) Luke Perry? Let's get back to the Degrassi podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. This isn't a Degrassi podcast. This is a 
Beverly Hills 90210 podcast. It should have been called uh, Degrassi uh, M2K0G. <laughs> <laughs> really did have. Yeah. Another failure for the writers. <laughs> um, okay, holy moly, where the hell did we leave off? We are in. I think we're, we have the, the the child dealing with trauma from a sexual assault is where we left off. Oh, perfect! That pinpoints it exactly. Um, Spinner left because Paige was yeah. Paige was having issues and said she didn't want to see his his face. Stupid! His stupid his, face! Oh, his stupid face! Yes, his stupid face. So he well, he left with a stupid face. He and his idiotic face left. Oh, idiotic. Uh, after he left, Paige glances over and sees his keys, grabs them, and she leaves as well. Um, next, we are introduced to our B-plot. And we see Craig and his BFF, Ashley, um, arriving back home. Uh, Joey's there. <laughs> They make zero noise coming in the house, and Joey's like, Shh, guys, quiet, guys, quiet. And maybe I'm the only one that finds that funny, but it made me really laugh. <laughs> I didn't notice, but that does sound pretty funny. Like, you hear the like the lock on the door open, like, Shh, and, like, press the door open, and Joey's like, guys, quiet, quiet, guys. <laughs> Anyways, that made me laugh. Uh, they show up and they show Joey. Craig has purchased a Fender Strat with a whammy bar, and it cost four thousand uh, dollars. Joey is seems to be in awe of the guitar, and obviously because of his uh, musical uh, background, and he grabs it from Craig and he kind of looks at it. <laughs> And he plays it, and I'm like, this is perfect, because this is how the Zit Remini played their music. They played electric guitars that were never plugged in. (laughs) Uh (laughs) It's like, exactly back in the Zit Remini. Uh, So Joey kind of guesses, like, how much it was. He's like, 800, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Craig says it was four grand. Joey looks fucking stunned. I don't think any cars in his (laughs) used car lot cost four grand. (laughs) Uh, and he hands it back and tells uh, Craig to enjoy Uh, we're then taken to the garage and Craig is wailing on his new Fender Strat Uh, Joey comes in and sort of out of nowhere I think suggests that Craig maybe wants to start paying some rent Gives Craig uh, a shake down. Yeah, like Jesus Christ. Like, okay, let me finish. Sorry, the scene and we'll get into everything else. Um, Craig looks confused, rightfully so. Points out that he thought that his dad's estate covered like his living expenses, and Joey, I think, says, "Yeah, two fifty. That's not even enough to pay for your pizza or something." Um, uh, Craig still isn't super pumped about this. <laughs> and of course, his go-to is, would you ask Angie to pay this? 
you know, your seven-year-old daughter. <laughs> but it does. Like he's saying, are you asking me because I am not your biological child? That's the question. Like, are you, are you asking me, like, he's making a distinction, feeling like he's he's not, you know, he doesn't, that Joey doesn't see him in the same way. Which realistically, well, like, Joey probably doesn't. But the, I mean, Craig is still a minor, like just like Angela is a minor. So, like, mm. oh no! I mean, I think Joey's way in the wrong. It's a shitty thing to do. Oh like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Get that money, Joey. Get that money. I mean, he's a used car salesman. <laughs> what do you expect? I, I can understand how frustrating. It would be if you're looking after some someone's kid, like, and they, or you're, I mean, your own kid, sure, and they, like, inherit a bunch of money and start blowing it on garbage, and you're like, I'm drowning in debt. Like, I can understand how frustrating that would be, but it is out of line to ask someone else to share their inheritance with you. <laughs> Period. It's true. Like, when Piper got a bunch of money for her fourth birthday, and I was really <laughs> struggling with the mortgage, <laughs> I was like, hey, Piper! <laughs> Why don't you chip in for bitter rent? Yeah. <laughs> hey! Hey! You want to start chipping in? <laughs> yeah. Those My Little Ponies, they aren't free. Hey. <laughs> uh-huh. Why don't you sell this. those? I just want... Gigi. <laughs> Joey asks his 16-year-old sort of son to start paying some rent. That was in the deleted scene. Yeah. But yes, Craig does point out his dad's inheritance covers monthly expenses. Joey says it's not enough. Two fifty barely covers your pizza. <laughs> and Craig's uh, like, "Not my problem, Joey. Why don't you make a claim against the fucking estate? I'm a sixteen-year-old child." <laughs> that was also a deleted scene. <laughs> <laughs> um. Craig isn't having it regardless. And he asks him if he would ask Angie to pay rent. Uh, Joey points out that Angie's seven. Um, Craig is clearly insinuating that, you know, he sees he's not a biological son of Joey's. He thinks that's the reason, blah, blah, blah. And he storms out really upset. I'd be upset too. Joey should have been like, if Angie had $10,000, you're damn right. I need money. <laughs> oh, my child, not my child. Who gives a shit? Ten grand's ten grand. Give me them bills. <laughs> I gotta make a demo tape for crazy radio. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> um, so we are back at, uh, at the dorm party, and we see Drake, and he's shooting pool talking about being scouted for basketball. Uh, and we are treated to a song by Dead Letter Department called Dance Me to Incisions. 
Also, as Drake as as Drake is bragging to the university kids, he's in grade eleven. I'm sure they're just like, like, who gives a fuck? Like, it's like, oh yeah, basketball. They're just like, we're in university. Like, you're grade eleven. Glad your parents yeah, like, paid for you to go to fancy basketball yeah, camp. <laughs> like, come on. Some of them are probably. Tell me more, <laughs> tell me more about summer camp. Pro- probably some of them are there on basketball scholarships and they're listening to Drake be like, yeah. <laughs> I like basketball. Well, yeah. We just have to Canadian hear a lot about Drake talking about the ways he uses his legs. Uh huh. So. so <laughs> So that you know to remind us, yes. So that it's it's just so that when we look back, we can remember all the things he's going to use them. I'm so glad my legs work. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you can't say it like that. So he's got to say it more. You know, we just got to when we look back, think, wow. Every time we saw that guy, he was really into his legs. (laughs) He's really into his functionality of his lower body. I guess I mean his legs don't disappear. He never stop talking about it. My favorite things are walking, jumping, okay, kicking. Ted, Ted, if you're listening, it's because he becomes an Olympian in the future. Yes, that's right, Ted. And he keeps talking about his leg mobility and how it will help him in the future. That is and correct. It will. It will. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's definitely that. Yes, that's what happens. Um. Jimmy also manages to name drop Vince Carter, saying that this is exactly how he was scouted. So, shout out. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> to Vince Carter, the most famous Raptor of all time, do you think? It's got to be Kyle Kawhi. Lowry? It's got to be Kawhi. I don't care if he played for one season. That, he won a fucking championship. I do. No. Not the most memorable raptor. I think you just have abandonment issues. I'm... Mighty Mouse. Kawhi Leonard has abandonment issues. No, Courtney, you do. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I did. Oh, I because well, it... I was adopted. So yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> because he left. But fair. <laughs> that was cold. Oh, oh. <laughs> that was really cold. You cut the issue. Anyways, Vince Carter, he rules. Uh, Jimmy, being scouted for basketball, probably going to make it to the big leagues. Um, Meanwhile, we see Hazel, and she is frantically looking for Paige. And she's unable to find her anywhere. And we find out Paige has driven the love mobile to a frat party. Not sure how she knew where it was. No details provided. Uh, you saw the pl- his pledge shirt. Yeah, if you're wearing yeah, the name of your lo- like your location on your clothes, you're not that hard to find. I have, I feel like that was re- like that she could figure out where that frat house was. Well, and I mean, if only he, you know, had a car that was really noticeable, like big bright yellow car. I mean, that might be the other hint. Yeah, she that maybe drove around different. looking for the frat house with the yellow car in front. Yeah. How many frat houses can yeah. there be at the grassy U? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like one. I do really like how she gets into the, the party, though. Because she says she's she, yeah. that, that Steve invited her. 
<laughs> and like, yeah, there's always a Steve. Like always, a I Steve. well, I remember a friend of mine when like a guy dropped his keys, and you know it was a white dude, and she she yells out, "Steve, nothing." She's like, "Dave," and then he turns around. She's like, "Dropped your keys," and I said, "How did you know his name?" She's just I was just going through the white guy names, <laughs> and there is the the Dave rule. Um, in Silicon Valley, that the number of women you have working, I think it's the number of women who are working for you should be larger than the number of Daves. All right, then. I say this as someone with a kid named Dave, too. I, mean, I like the name, but it's it's pretty common. So That's she a gets, great rule. Right? <laughs> more Like, it's not gender equality. It's just more than, like, the Daves that there are there. These are the Daves I know, well, I know. Our... These are the Daves I know. There's, there's also a song about Daves, yes. This podcast fits the bill because we have no Daves, but we have three women. <laughs> <laughs> so she gets in. Yeah, what happens? By, by, by asking Steve invited her and, uh, and saying yeah. that she's 20 and short. This doorman that she's talking to, possibly the most interesting person in this episode, is <laughs> Tim. Is this actor is Stephen Arnell, and uh, he bit part as the doorman went on to do significant things. Uh, after Degrassi, his credits for NCIS, CSI, the 90210 reboot, New Girl, Vampire Diaries. He played Casey Jones in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles reboot in 2016 with Megan Fox, which was a terrible movie. Uh, but still, Casey Jones is a pretty significant character. And it was a big budget Michael Bay movie. He also plays Green Arrow in basically all of the DCEU properties. So Arrow, Legends of Tomorrow, The Flash, Supergirl, Vixen. He's Green Arrow in all of them. So he has like that sweet, sweet superhero franchise money now. (laughs) And it all started off as a doorman that let a high school girl into a party. Degrassi. Yeah. Name Steve. We were also um, at this frat party. We were being treated to another track by Crud. (laughs) (laughs) This one is called Reality. Okay. Paige gets into Kappa Gamma Phi. Uh, Steve invites her. She is 20. She is short. She gets in. Um, she she arrow is scouring her. the party. The green arrow. <laughs> the green arrow lets her in, and points her in the right direction. <laughs> uh, she is obviously on a mission, looking for Dean. Uh, she finds him behind the bar doing some like beer keg shit. No surprise. Um. She says that she needs to talk. He obviously doesn't want to. So she climbs up on the stairs and starts yelling to the whole party that he raped her. He's a rapist. Really, nobody at the party cares. I mean, reality, Uh, like, Fred is blasting pretty loud. Well, also, like, (laughs) frats are known for being places that, um, where a lot of, of rape and sexual assault happens. So... I, I mean, I sarcastically wrote that maybe this is going to help his chances of getting in because he really, you know, they're going to be like, oh, yeah, he definitely fits with the culture of our organization. 
But, like, can't you just imagine him, too, like, afterwards and someone being like, well, what was that all about? And he's just like, oh, it's just this girl I used to date. She's crazy. But he, he, he says right? ex-girlfriend. Like, that happens. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that happens so much. Oh, she's just hysterical and crazy because I broke up with her or whatever. Like, that people believe that shit all the time, right? Certainly. It's true, yes. So Paige has taken her position on the stairs and she is yelling to the party that he's a rapist, blah, blah, blah. And yes, he comes up and grabs her, says that she's a crazy ex, and he takes her outside to talk. Dun, dun, dun. I would have fought harder, uh, but, you know, I mean, trauma response, right? Yeah, I mean, she's not Mono? making a lot of... of- choices here that are she's making a lot of problematic choices here and and not thinking logically she's just wanting to like maybe this will make me feel better um maybe this yeah i want to get him back yeah she's blindly angry logic has no place in in her actions she just needs to find a way to feel better and she's trying to get justice um, like she's had she's been denied justice through the legal system and so she's trying to find another way of getting justice perhaps um that will you know m- maybe he won't go to jail but maybe he um maybe he'll be shamed um or uh, or rejected it at the frat right yeah and I, like i did actually think about this like i i've never been in a position where i've been felt like that wronged before and I can't even imagine what that would feel like and how it would just drive you to do whatever you could to feel like you know you have done whatever you can to make yourself feel better to give yourself peace of mind like I can't even imagine how that would feel or like trying to reclaim like a like some amount of power Absolutely. Like, you must just feel so helpless and, you know, just trying to reclaim something. Well, that somebody can do well, something and take something from you and uh, you have you have no choice or agency in both that happening, but also there's, there's, feels like nothing you can do to, you know, to stop them. Like, he keeps coming up to her and talking to her. He's, uh, he's not remorseful. She knows he's probably done it before and will do it again. Exactly. And then on top of that, knowing like she took all the proper avenues, right? Like she charged him. She went to court. She did everything she was supposed to do. And she still didn't get anything from it. Like that. That just must feel super shitty. And obviously, like, she's being driven by that. She's being driven by emotion. She just wants some sort of, I hate the word closure, but she wants to feel better. Um, So he takes her back outside, stops her from screaming rapist at the party. He basically admits that he raped her outside. Um, I mean, he kind of did last episode. Like, when he was talking to her on campus, he was just like, look. I'm sorry. I should have listened to you. Yeah. So, I mean, he has kind of admitted it before. But in this instance, she, I think she actually says the words like you raped me. And he was like, yeah. Yeah. 
meh, whatever. And she is obviously taken aback, saying, like, you admit it. You didn't say that in court. And he goes on to accuse her of just coming back for more. He's like, you can't blame me. You keep coming back. Blah, blah, blah. Tells her to go home, back to her boyfriend, but to call him if she ever wants to have some more fun. So gross. So gross. And with that, he goes back into the party and Paige is left outside fuming. Well, I'm sure feeling absolutely helpless in this moment. Well, like, nothing she can say will penetrate, like, his, like, armor of, like, I don't give a fuck. Like, you mean nothing. Your trauma means nothing to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So we see her outside, and she's obviously fuming, and we zoom in on the fancy yellow small dick sports car um, that uh, is parked outside, which we assume is his. Um, she stares at the car. We see her rage building and she gets back in the love mobile and we see Spinner show up. And just as Spinner shows up, we see her backing into the yellow car, uh, smashing the front, whatever you call bumper headlights, whatever. Uh, and she looks happy. Like she looks like she's feeling relief. I'm impressed with her skill in driving backwards. Um, cause you know. <laughs> No, that's not easy. Um, but yeah, she's furious and uh, and and gets behind the wheel. Not a recommended action when you're feeling emotional activation or feeling triggered. Um, definitely going backwards, also not great. Um, but she does look like she's experiencing so much relief from from driving. And you know, from smashing his car, from doing damage to his his car, and uh, it it made me think of the Carrie Underwood song um, before he cheats, or what's its name? Y'all don't listen to that. Oh my god! Before he cheats, yeah. Yes. Where so it, you know, I took a Louisville Slugger to both headlights, slashed a hole in all four I tires. Took- to the side of his pretty suit four wheel drive yeah that song <laughs> yeah so but I mean, yes so I do I mean yeah I mean that would have at least there would only be damage to one car so I recommend a baseball bat if you want to commit violence against cars um just she's just kidding lawyers <laughs> alan's getting very allegedly, very allegedly. Uh-huh. so he backs it or she backs his car into dean's car smashes the shit out of it spinner sees it he gets her out of the car tells her to leave and is going to assume responsibility and it's like there are no other witnesses like no one yeah is is around like this party is so good that everybody's inside no one's outside smoking dope smoking drinking anything no one sees this nope nobody sees it well show got a show (laughs) i'm so the fact that he said he tells her to get in a cab and we see her wandering and standing in the road hailing a taxi 
Like, she's not in a state. Like, this is someone who might, is not, it's, you know, she's in a dissociative state. She's not in touch with what's going on. So that's really scary. And Spinner's a kid who's just witnessed his girlfriend go off the rails and smash his car up. Um, so he's probably not in a great state to make good choices either. But um, Well, and he, I mean, I don't think he understands why she would do something like this either, right? Like, he has his own... Yeah, you know it's his car. His car. Yep. <laughs> too, like sitting here on my couch or whatever. Like I kind of like, I kind of get it from Paige's perspective. Like, I don't know. I'm not like. Yeah. Uh, the moral of the story probably shouldn't be vigilante justice, but I get how you could get relief <laughs> from doing something like that to someone who has hurt you so badly and is suffering no consequences, like. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, I, I get it. I get it. You I know? Yeah. Men fight over far less important issues all the time. Right? Like, men fight over the stupidest shit all the time. They will take any opportunity to beat each other up. <laughs> I think she's justified. <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out where this is. Going. I'm like, I feel like the Kool Aid Man is like fucking crashing through the wall, and it's like not open. <laughs> <laughs> not open. Yeah. Um. So this montage of every of everyone of Paige going home and all that stuff. This is uh, we are treated to a track called "Slow Down Porch Mix." By two minute miracles. Glad it's the porch mix. It's my favorite version yeah, of the song. It's the porch mix. Yeah, as opposed I, to the uh, as opposed to the backyard mix and the correct. upstairs mix. Club I mix. like the sidewalk mix the yeah, best. Yeah. I liked it. I Same thought it was a pretty song. I would put it on a playlist. Spinner puts Paige in a cab, tells her to get out of here. Um he is going to obviously stay at the scene and figure shit out. Um, after this, we're taken back to Joey's. Uh, he is alone uh, waiting for Craig to come home. So he's obviously worried. Him and Craig got in that fight over money. Craig took off. He's still not home. And <laughs> we see Craig on his cell phone talking to Sean in that classic scene where they both show up at the door on their phones and they're like, hey, I'm here. I'm here. We're both on the phone together. And Sean lets him in. Um, so next day, uh, <laughs> we see Spinner trying to drive his, like, super beat-up car that has no rear windshield. I don't even know how it's even operating, but he still is trying to drive it to school. Um, at school, Paige seems to be dressed like her old self. So she has gotten rid of all like the colorless, like frumpy clothes. And she's back in her like pink and her makeup and her hair is all done. Uh, and we see her attend her counseling session. Uh, her counselor seems surprised at uh, how perky she is, how normal she seems. And she claims, I think she just kind of claims that she's back to normal. Uh, I think she says something about, I have multiple personalities. And the counselor brushes that off, and that makes me think that it's a bad counselor. <laughs> well, Sarah? I mean, I think that if um, 
if she had dissociative identity disorder or multiple personalities that the counselor would have known that already um but i do like this scene troubles me deeply because of what will happen next which is the like the counselor says um you did the right thing you did the only thing that that you could have done and uh in referring to to pressing charges and going to court and i i think um that i would fully support someone who wanted to go to court but i would always want um victims of sexual assault to know um realistic outcomes and that it that there's a a high likelihood that there will be um re-traumatizing or additional trauma from from the experience of court and so the pressure mm-hmm. to sort of say the only thing, the only right answer was to press charges, um, puts a lot of pressure on Paige. Now she's already done it, but I, it makes me think. Mm-hmm. So what was it like to see this counselor who was was kind of gunning for that the whole time? Yeah, I feel like it was an attempt to kind of like tie it up with a bow. Like Aww. she did what she tried to do. Like you did the right work. thing and it didn't work out, but it it's. It, it, it's just um, it, it's unnecessary pressure and I think also to like that there's any sense that 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 now she's finished the trial that she's going to feel better like she's quite likely to feel worse for a little while um, and I I'm concerned that the therapy she's getting is is not adequate and not helping her to process things given she's still having these flashbacks agreed um and i kind of wondered about how they played out that whole scenario like it's one thing to make her like make Paige appear like okay she's come to peace with it she did this thing she got some relief but i feel like it made it seem a little bit too much like that was the be all and end all and now everything's fine whereas Clearly, this is something that is going to take a long time to overcome and slamming into somebody's car isn't going to make you all better and dress in pink and put lipstick on again. Yeah. Uh, I didn't like yeah. that. Yeah, no, it. I, I don't think that that was handled terribly well. I, I think there are some pieces that are sort of like realistic that she, you know, she repeatedly tries to present as I'm over it, I'm done. And there are, are multiple scenes where she's she's saying that she's finished. And since it's Degrassi, then she's she's going to be they're not going to talk about it again. So um, so that will will look like it's true. But but in reality, um, that trauma is going to stay with her. And and certainly it, it's possible I mean, to um, to to process traumatic experiences and, and have them no longer activate you and live in your body in the same way. And I think that, mm-hmm. um, I think that's a really important thing, um, for anyone who's experienced sexual assault to know that, um, that it, it doesn't have to continue to, you know, to, to come up and to interrupt your sex life or, and your, your day-to-day life. Uh, but for many people, it, it does take some intensive therapy to get to that place. Um, which sucks and isn't fair. Like you shouldn't have to invest so much of your time and energy in healing because somebody else did a terrible thing. Um, but, mm-hmm. but at least that possibility exists. 
that was so well said. And they definitely didn't do a great job in expressing that in the show. Um, and then I was just thinking, like, you know, compared to Ashley and her, she was in a depressive state for fucking how long over, <laughs> like, girls at school not being nice to her. She was at home skipping school and her fucking piano being all sad. And, like, like that dragged on for a, a while. Um, I, I don't think that they gave this situation as much weight as that, which is unfortunate. Just my opinion, but, um, okay. So carrying on, um, after the counseling session, uh, Paige finds Spinner. Um, I think he sort of asks how she is and she admits it felt good to smash his car into Dean's yellow little penis car. Um, yeah, unfortunately, does, Spinner's car was collateral damage for that, though. Like, completely. Um, I don't it know why It would have been nice if she could have just, like, taken a sledgehammer to it. This is what I'm know? saying. A Louisville slugger. Both headlights. Hole in all the tires. Done. Yeah. That's not my professional Listen. advice. That's Carrie Underwood's, that's Carrie Underwood's, Underwood's professional, professional advice. advice. But also, don't trust her. She votes for Trump. She dates former Ottawa Senator Mike Fisher. Uh, Actually, they're ma- they're married. I wonder what he smells uh, like. So in conversation with Spinner, Paige does promise that she'll pay for the damage to the love mobile. She says she'll get a job, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Miss Hotzalakis approaches uh, with two cops behind her and tells Spinner that they need to see him. Uh, Paige follows and finds what I think is a fucking ton of cops in the parking lot of the school uh, checking out uh, the very beat up love mobile. Like a ton of cops. Yeah, it's not like someone died. Like if, if, you know, he'd done a hit and run and killed somebody, I could understand a little bit of this. But I mean, it's still a bad thing that happened. But yes, it's like. We need yeah. 40 cops to look at this car to see what's going on. Well, and I think, you know, note the large justice response when property is damaged versus the response of the justice system when women are sexually assaulted. Word. Touché. Touché. Preach. Um, so, yeah, there's 100 cops outside examining the fucking, like, parking lot for evidence. Uh, we see Spinner. I think he's crying. Maybe I not. Know. Poor Spinner. But he is obviously very upset at the forty he's cops trying that to are do here the right thing. Yeah, he doesn't want to say that it, that Paige did it, but he also, you know, he didn't. He didn't back into that car. Yeah, he also didn't need to drive his like super beat up car to school that day. But he did anyways. He also didn't need to write a um, homophobic slur about Marco in the last season. I still, I don't forget. Oh. Yeah. Oh, shit. Let's go way back. What else yeah. didn't he need to do? Okay, <laughs> people are allowed to evolve. They're allowed to change. They're allowed to learn. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I'm sure Spinner will so get much better are... as the season goes on and will not contribute at all to his friend getting shot. Oops, sorry. Continue. <gasps> I can't imagine what you might be talking about. Yeah, neither do I. Drake's legs. 
<laughs> just fine. <laughs> Ted, uh, cover back, your ears. Back inside the school, we see a snake, and he pops into the computer room, media immersion room, whatever, and he finds Craig eating fries and gravy in the computer okay, lab. Okay, can we just call this what this is? This is poutine. I recognize well, that they didn't curds? mention the cheese curds, but, like, come on. Are you sure it's not just fritz of sauce? <laughs> I guess it might be fritz of sauce. That is also right. a thing, please. It's got, it's got to be poutine. He's got so a fucking nervous. fork. So well, nervous that... No, you, yeah, I think you have a fork for fries and gravy. What do I know? I'm vegetarian. but um, and, and gravy counts as meat, apparently. Um, but that just makes me so... Liquid just like, meat. Eh, it's meat juice. I don't know, man. But he's eating in the computer? Oh, right? no. It, I'm just... I, 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 I'm so worried that something's going to... That then he's going to damage a computer and that's where the rest of his thousands of dollars are going to have to go. That, that wasn't where it went, but that, that's what I was thinking. Well, let's find out if your fears are justified <laughs> in this gravy adventure. Uh, yes, Craig is eating Fritivik sauce in the computer lab, and Snake says something about, aren't you, I don't know, something worried about gravy. And speaking of worried, have you talked to Joey about your gravy? Or he makes some <laughs> weird connection. Doesn't even uh, talk to your dad. Yes, we understand that Joey has been calling everybody looking for Craig, and Craig says, "I don't have a dad." And Snake implies that Joey's worried, and Craig says something, something. It's fine. I'll pay for it. I'm the bank of Craig. So we obviously see Craig still bitter about Joey asking him to pay rent. Um. Back at home, we see Paige gets a call from Spinner. He is at the cop shop, and he's being charged for failure to remain at the scene of an accident, mischief, and dangerous driving. And I wish he had some broken glasses and was behind bars, and it would be more like wheels. <laughs> it was um, like, it's not my fault that Dean wanted chips. <laughs> <laughs> Not my fault that Dean wasn't wearing a seatbelt. Uh-huh. I mean, he was... Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, fuck Dean. Anyways, that's not what happened. Spinner's at the cop shop. He's being charged. And he wanted to call Paige. So Paige was like, tell me you didn't make me your call, Spinner. And I thought that was a really weird thing to say to the guy who's trying to take the fall for your crime. Um, in any case, uh, we find out Spinner's just calling Paige to let her know that he's taking the blame and she's fine. Don't worry about it. She's been through enough. Um, they hang up, uh, Paige, uh, develops a conscience and decides that she can't deal with this. So she heads down to the cop shop and who is coming out of the cop shop as she arrives? Fucking Dean. Uh, he's furious going on about Spinner, and then she stops him and says that she was the one that smashed his little yellow penis car, um, and he starts to threaten her, blah, 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 and she says that she's there to admit what she did, because she's a good person, unlike him, 
he tells her the frat didn't let him in because of the stuff that she said. This shocks me. (laughs) Yes. This is not my expectation of a frat, but good for them. Good job. It's the woke frat. Mm -hmm. This is the frat at Degrassi U. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Bronco is the president. And <laughs> That's right. The vice president. Mm-hmm. Our frat orders sea monkeys and we grow them and that's all we do. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> uh, so uh, Paige has her moment and she says that she's done with him. Basically, it was like, just fuck off, Dean. She like and took her power. It's like she took her power back. She felt like she, she had her power back, and she was just like, fuck you, fuck this, fuck all you, fuck everything. I kind of wish she'd you said it like that. Yourself, yeah, but yeah. she says, I have better things to do. Yeah, fuck you, Dean. And and she also names that she's taking responsibility for actions, which he didn't do. I thought it was a super great scene. I thought it was really well done. She takes her power back, she goes in, and she's ready to own up to the fact that she... Was the one who smashed the cars. Blah, blah, blah. And she does not feel bad about it at all. <laughs> oh, fuck him. Yeah, no. I mean, she should feel bad that yeah. she smashed up her boyfriend's car, but fuck Dean's car. The good news yeah. is, is we never we never see Dean again. No, he goes back Where to his home planet. Hopefully he dies he goes on his way the, back there. He goes to the MCU as Rogue's boyfriend and <laughs> gets that sweet, sweet superhero franchise money. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, um, so we see back at Joey's, Craig finally shows up back at home. And maybe I have missed some huge storyline, but Joey suddenly confesses to Craig that he is in danger of losing his used car business. I feel like we got a hint of uh, this. I mean, I know that cars and guitars are different, but... If Joey's assessing a they four thousand, but they're different. <laughs> yes. If if Joey is assessing a four thousand dollar guitar and he's like, "What is this? Like three hundred bucks?" It's like, "What does he do with cars when people bring them in?" <laughs> he's like a Porsche. What's that worth? I don't know. Fifty bucks. How's that sound? <laughs> a used guitar salesman. Yes, but his job is to assess. You know, buy low, sell high, etc. It's like. I mean, I think I think they kind of gave us the impression that he has a successful business, though, right? Like, you know, we saw him with his, like, these commercials where he's, like, ripping his shield, give you the shirt off my back, and he's, like, a local celeb, like, it, it, like it, yeah. it, it seemed like things were going okay, not that businesses <laughs> can't go downhill, depending on whether there's a fucking global pandemic or not, but... Maybe he thought his car was going to be worth a lot when he took it to auction, and then, <laughs> uh huh. And then someone just bought it for parts. Yeah. Yes. Could have happened too. Terry showed up. Yeah. Terry. Terry showed up at the lot and just ripped them off all the cars. And then Terry's just like, oh, "Parts. This is great." The best was like, "Hey, Terry, I'm Joey. We're filming a like movie here about Degrassi. You just bought my car. What are you gonna do with it?" Sell it for parts. <laughs> the best scene ever. Cut. So good. Um, 
my whole point was just we have not heard any inclination until this point that Joey was struggling with his business, right? Nope. Correct. But okay. now now it's it happening. Con- <laughs> it was a tough and year. It, it, the old Jeremiah Carlot. Yeah, Courtney, it's just a thing now. So, like, get over it. He's just poor. <laughs> He's just poor. Get over it. Yeah. Maybe there was uh, a second car lot that opened in the greater Toronto area. <laughs> now things are yes. heating up and it's getting, getting tight. Yeah. Like when Marco was running uncontested, then suddenly he had an opponent. Exactly. exactly. Exactly like that. That was foreshadowing. Yeah, that would be the next episode again that we haven't already <laughs> recorded. Oh, fuck. That was pre-shadowing. Yeah. <laughs> Pre-shadow. Anyways... <laughs> Joey's explanation to Craig for asking him to pay rent is that he is in danger of losing his business. This he, does not make it any better. <laughs> like this, this makes this, this, yeah now no yeah it's like well the reason I hit you up for your money child is because my business <laughs> is is uh, about to go under. Well, it's because I need it. Yeah. And I mean, the worst part is that Craig at this, at, after, like, in reaction to this is like, oh, Joey, you can have the money. And it's yeah. like, fuck, like, this is all wrong. Yeah. Like, would it be, I don't know, I don't have kids. I have no idea. <laughs> like, I think that it's totally wrong that he would ever ask Craig for his inheritance. But I think it could be reasonable if you sat down your 16-year-old and talked to them, like, as an adult and was like, look, we're having money problems. Like, I can't buy you frivolous items like pizza anymore. So, like, I, what I think you should do probably is start, like, is get a part-time job so that you have more spending money. Because I'm not going to be able to give you this, like, luxury spending money anymore. Like, I think something like that could be reasonable. I mean, but just, think- like, flat out <laughs> starting to ask for someone's fucking inheritance is not Okay. <laughs> I think having conversations about finances with kids in an age-appropriate way is is good. So, like, a 16-year-old kid could know, like, what is and isn't in the budget. And, uh, I, I, you know, I would never want kids to feel um, responsible in, you know, in, like, the way that, that Craig is kind of like, oh, here you can, you know, you can have this. Um, he's already yes, experienced a lot of hardship and trauma and that feels, that this... doesn't feel comfortable, but, but absolutely like, conversations about, because uh, kids will experience people who have other financial resources available and lots of time, you know, I've experienced where my kids will, so-and-so has this and I want to have this or do that. And, and to say that, um, that that sounds like not a a single parent income household over there um or you know which is not what i would say but um but but to you know to to say that's that doesn't feel realistic for our family right now um or to talk about choices that we make about um you know how much pizza is getting ordered um and those kinds of things I mean, I guess it is canon that Joey is bad with money, but I, we've kind of been led up to this point that he's, like, changed, right? And that his business has been successful. 
So, yeah, is he bad with money? Have we ever been led to believe that he's bad with money? He tried to give chicks for 20 the... bucks each to wear a bikini for like when that was most of the budget of the music video. It was, okay. it was, a, it was a while ago. And Joey was also the I guy that never say... had money, right? Yeah, like everybody else Wait, has what? got some money. Joey's like, oh, you've got 80 bucks and uh, you've got 50 bucks. So uh, we got lots without ever chipping in any of his own. Mm-hmm. I guess to be fair, though, like he did save up enough money to buy a car. So oh, yeah. he might be that, cheap. That is not what happened, by the he way. He did, not, else he did not save up enough money to buy a car. He walked through the cafeteria naked and then blackmailed a guy oh, yeah. who had AIDS or That's HIV right. to get the money. So so resourceful, but perhaps not um, not super not uh, great. responsible yeah. with savings. And then like, his mom, kind of, and then his I mom mean, and dad paid for the his mom and dad paid for the rest of his car payments. By the way, as a birthday gift, even though he had a job oh, yeah. at Shoppers Drug Mart, selling the condoms. Mm-hmm. Anyways, regardless of Joey's financial history, <laughs> um, <laughs> this was the weirdest possible convoluted way to a- approach this whole topic i find um you know he gives craig ten thousand dollars as per his dead dad's instructions on his birthday nothing nothing nope no 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 mention of anything here's your 10 fucking grand 16 year old kid no like restraints on it nothing uh so he goes obviously and blows it on a fucking guitar (laughs) and then another blues like i need you to pay rent and then out of the blue again, I'm about to lose my business. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I said that. And what is he like? So then Craig's obviously like, here, okay, take my money. And then Joey's like, no, I need, I need to be a dad. I don't want your money. So. What? And it's never resolved. <laughs> we have no <laughs> idea whether Craig gives Joey money or not. It just Joey's just a- like, I was hoping that the business would be here for you later if you wanted to become a used salesman, a used car salesman. And like, Craig is like, aw, bitch. And then end scene. We have no idea if Joey's business is saved. I mean, maybe it'll come up in future episodes. I have no idea. Paige meets up with Spinner, who is fixing his super broken car. And I don't even think he's doing anything. He's just, like, sitting on a stool, like, hammering at a bumper. Um, Why should he call Sean? They're supposed to be friends. Don't get me started. That would be logical. Um, All right. That's okay. So Paige tells him that she has lost her license and she has about a year of community service, I guess, for her crime. Uh, Spinner's still pissed. Uh, Paige admits that she wishes she didn't hurt him and she still really wants to pay him back. (laughs) But then in the next breath, she asks him on a date where she will pay for the whole thing, including sour candy. Um, Presumably that money could have gone to fixing his car, but whatever. Um, Also, Um, let's, let's take a note to the side here. Sometime in the next year, do we see Paige driving a car? Let's... (laughs) Right? If her license is I'm suspended. I'm going to say yes. Yeah, we'll see. I also feel like the hundred cops were, like, ready to, like, throw Spinner into a fucking juvie facility or something like that. And then with Pace, they're just like, 
lose your license. Yeah, exactly. Well, who knows? Um, well, I mean, also, yes. like, so well, this has all been decided, so she went to court again, like, and this time it was solved in, what, a day? Yeah, it's a little yeah. quick. It's It doesn't feel particularly accurate. Yep. Show got a show. So Spinner accepts her date, but with the caveat that as long as the car's fixed by then. So she grabs a wrench and she goes, wrench? And hands it to him. And then the show freezes, and that's the end. Make it through. And that's it. That's uh, the end of the two-part uh, first episode of season four. And the moral of the story um, is I have that one... vigilante justice will cure your sexual assault trauma. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not digging that. Um that that the messaging of that but uh but but i i i sympathize with uh with with page's response to not getting justice uh, i just wanted to read one super great comment on this show on the degrassipedia um it's from wilson and drew and they ask how long did page lose her license i'm sure she lost it for a year if not forever <laughs> <laughs> um also bl black girl fly complains at length about craig using his money on a guitar it's like craig was super ungrateful in this episode <laughs> like and goes on for like a full paragraph about craig how he's at fault for not giving joey his inheritance money so that's great also somebody wrote the word ditto but they wrote it as d-i-d-d-o so well, it's the melding of young minds. Mm -hmm. uh, but yes, any final thoughts before we sign off? This has been a long one, but I think it's uh, got a lot of good stuff in it. Arlo? Well, we never hear of Paige's rape again. And we never <laughs> hear from Dean again. So I guess she got that uh, quote closure that she'd been looking for. Which is too bad, but it is what it is. Uh, Sarah? Yeah, well, I mean, aside from what I have already said about really wishing that uh, that everyone was getting more support and that these teenagers weren't having to make such adult decisions without adults giving them a bit more guidance. Um, you know, I'm glad that they covered the topic both of sexual assault and of, of what a sort of semi-realistic court case would look like and uh thank you so much for inviting me to join you well once again thank you so much for being here uh if any of you guys have any thoughts or comments or anything please uh shoot us a message at uh narbos and broomheads at gmail.com uh we'd love to hear from you uh and on that note um if you aren't already you can check us out on instagram at narbos and broomheads podcast um, Sarah, where can we find you? I'm on Instagram at church girl with, um, two R's in girl. And, uh, if I eventually do my show with my sister again, you can watch the Miller sisters not stop talking. They Love it. They sure don't. Um, <laughs> Alan, where the hell can we find you and your elbows? Slip with five eyes. 
and uh, everywhere. <laughs> and at Narbos Podcast, if you want to follow us on Twitter, hit us up at narbosandbroomheads at gmail.com if you want to comment on my dry elbows. Arlo? <laughs> I'm Arlo. You can follow me on Instagram at A-R-L-O-E-S-C-O-T-T. And uh, that's all of us. So <laughs> We done. That's it. Yeah, Yeah. Jonas next week. Jonas next week for uh, King of Pain. It's going to be a good episode. And which Canadian musician will make a special appearance? We'll see. (laughs) We'll see, everybody. (laughs) Oh, that was Brian Adams. It's not Brian Adams. (laughs) Peace out, everybody. Bye. 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 I said I don't get my love. Stay up late and dream about Kylan I would never get girls out of my house Maybe I would I would walk around and got makeup Don't see them call my dreams Everyone thinks I'm so cool I went crazy, had to touch gold Yeah, oh